Blog Talk Radio. Again, and we saw all that. Um, so, 
you know, it's a very mixed review. Um, and there's a lot of mixture of feelings. I see a lot of people, uh, I see a lot of half and half. Some people are concerned about Doug Waite and, and rightfully so, by the way, everybody jumped on the Doug Waite bandwagon. No different than years ago when they all jumped on the Jack Capilano doing well as an interim, uh, you know, coach, you know, straight up from the AHL. Um, and nobody really cared about the long-term items of not having the skills and, and the experience to draw from, um, you know, and, and, and maybe at the time that was okay. Look, the team, when he took over from Scott Gordon was a disaster. So there's a lot of room there. There's, there's a lot less room now. Um, so, you know, as I have said um, several times on Twitter, and I'm sure it's in a blog or two, uh, probably the coaching blog, that that I'm concerned, yes, Doug Waite did good in this pinch, um, and certainly he's now the coach today, if we're all following along. Um, there are still those concerns of he has no credentials of player development, something that Gallant, as he will be announced tomorrow as uh, Las Vegas's um, coach um, has, something that, you know, other coaches, Claude Julian, who obviously went to Montreal, and, you know, Player development is a key attribute and the item that really that Cappy did at first with the team, probably, you know, the team wasn't so good. There seemed to be not this fear to lose. The better the team did, there seemed to be more fearful and being uh, almost a very risk averse type of play that we saw in the last two seasons. And, you know, let's say it did not work. And, um, you know, the, the, the team only derived a hundred points and really did so well in the playoffs because of JT and, and, and uh, Thomas Grice last season. And this past season, the, the goaltending wasn't there and, and you can play the Halak. Oh, he, he, you know, he should have never been sent down. He should have been sent down. His play was horrendous mediocre goaltending in October and November dug a very big hole. Yes. The offense was kind of a mess and there were a lot of other issues, but it was the goaltending that was just terrible. And once that solidified and don't forget Grice had a, did wonderfully uh, as soon as um, Halak was sent down. But the problem with Halak is always the more he plays, the more human he gets, usually. Um, that happened last season, too, but he was having such a great ride, and he kind of kind of equaled it out. It was a little bit of anxious moments. And if uh, you were listening to the podcast last year, I brought that up. Yet in the playoffs, he stepped up, and uh, you know that's the reason they got into the second round. Um, you know, that didn't quite happen 
here, but of course the Islanders missed the playoffs and, you know, the real, you can see why I told you back last summer that the, you know, the team wanted Halak and Grice as a tandem and seemed to have this mistrust of uh, Halak's health and conditioning by keeping Berube. Um, yes, there was definitely a mistake with the three goaltenders, uh, but don't buy into Halak's complaining. Um, because after he complained, they used him primarily, and he got all the main practices and still sucked. And um, so don't, you know, there's a lot of revisionist history here. The reason this team crashed and burned is because the coach was left too long, and the team started to unfasten itself. Too long, certain players that were really needed to fill the gaps weren't progressing because under Capuano, that that player development wasn't happening anymore. Uh, Ryan Strom, um, you know, a lot of inconsistency. The 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 reticence to play kids um, was, you know, witness Barzell's, you know, two games before being sent down. You know, if he doesn't get traded this summer, he is a key guy to come into this um, uh, roster next season. And he is, you know, the second um, line center of the future. So we'll see what happens with the trades, but we'll talk about that later. But, you know, you have a, a, a and look how Pulak was, Pulak was handled last season. Um, the fear of using him impedes progress and team seemed to decide that he was better off in the AHL getting more minutes in the top pair in the AHL than being on first Capuano's team. And then with the crowd that was already there and uh, the defense doing okay. Yes. The power play sucked, you know, we'll get to that. Um, They seem to make a decision of keeping him in the AHL getting a, yes, it's AHL, but getting him the more minutes and a lot of the power play time down there. So it's, uh, they're, they're doing something there that we can't gauge until he comes up next year and see how he fits in. Because I think that this is to pivot him instead of being in the third pair, pushing him right into the top four, which means there's going to need to be some trades this summer. That log jam of defensemen needs to change. But back to, you know, youth. The whole process is as players, you know, move on their way that they're not going to pay for, um, kids need to fill that in. And Capuano was impeding that process. And I don't know if Garth was objective enough to see that was he too close to to uh, the coach, or too loyal, um, or didn't have the room anymore to take the time, or was there just nobody out there and you know didn't want and maybe Doug Wade was in agreement that they didn't want to do that and put him as an interim until it reached a point where you know it had to happen. It in all honesty, happened too late, and that's why they've missed the playoffs. So, of course, that leads to anger. You know, Garth's no 
made a mess. Um, is it a fireable offense? Yes and no. But let's deal with the the reality is, and, and I've worn this so many times this season, ownership likes Garth Snow. Like it or not, that's that's what it is. They are on board because they're also thinking about other things. Um, they're on board with the long-term vision. And they also want to give him the room to correct. And yes, you'll, you'll hear, oh, it's been 11 years of this and this and that. You, new owners are not going to judge Garth Snow for the years that Charles Wong forced him to the cap floor. That's not an apples to apples comparison. And I'm telling you this because I've been told this. They will not judge that. You as a fan might judge that. And, you know, fans' disappointment and how you feel matters. But if you want to know why it's not being followed, it's that. They will not judge that time. It's not something you can gauge when the owner has forced him to penny pinch and come up with workarounds and try to, it's not a normal situation. So you can only really gauge maybe the last year at Nassau Coliseum and the time at Barclays. Well, if that's the case, you're talking about what, three seasons? Okay. In those three seasons, you have 101 points at a first round exit and 100 points and a second round exit. And then this where they missed the playoffs. If you look at most teams, you'll see this with Tampa and you'll see this with um, L.A. L.A. just fired Lombardi and, and, and Dwayne Sutter. This is the second time they regressed. Yeah, they won a cup before that. But this is, if you're getting me, this is kind of the norm. Most owners will know that GMs are going to make mistakes. It doesn't, you know, happen in a fan bubble. It happens in a business bubble. And the business bubble and the fan bubble don't mesh. They are two separate things. And that kind of leaves the fans frustrated. Um, that frustration would end if they made some trades, sign and JT, and, you know, step up and have that at least 101-point season again and start to step up again. I get it. But I'm trying to tell you some, you know, there's a business bubble the same business bubble as what we hear tonight that uh, Barclays is going to try to make an offer to the Islanders to go back to Nassau Coliseum. That's not going to fucking happen because the Islanders owners paid $500 billion million valuation. That's a half a billion. And that valuation is based on them being in the city. They will, Belmont is on the border. That it, that is a city team. Barclays in Brooklyn is a city team. If something happens with City Field outside of that, that's a city team. There is no way on a permanent basis that they will come back to Nassau Coliseum. Nassau Coliseum, Nassau County blew it. And there's no getting past this. It's not going to happen. The reason that Barclays wants that, because no businesses are coming into Nassau Coliseum. Read the, the bunch of articles that have been in Newsday. I've, I've retweeted them several times. 
All that business that they thought was going to come into around NASA Coliseum is not because there's no anchor tenant. Um, the Northwell uh, Medical Building that was supposed to come in dropped out. There's no money coming into the area. NASA County is not going to get a whole lot of money for this. So, and then, of course, you've got Mangano, who's, you know, under corruption charges. Um, two parties, Democrats and Republicans in Nassau County, who can't agree on anything. But you know what they can't agree on? That Mangano needs to step down. But he's talking that he's going to try to attract the Islanders back. It's, it's wasted breath because it has to do with the business realities of these new owners of what they paid. And there's no getting around it. So I, I, I don't know what to tell you. So, you know, hopefully, as I mentioned on Twitter um, last couple of days, I heard from, uh, um, I think it was earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, um, heard from an Islanders player who was a veteran uh, talking about Belmont as reality. I shared that, um, you know, and uh, lo and behold, you know, there's a little bit more energy to that. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, that as Newsday has come out today, there's going to be an RFP and they'll compete for it. So it's going to be a whole new roller coaster ride. There's no assurance of anything. So I wouldn't buy into anywhere until there's a shovel in the ground. It went signed, sealed and delivered because, you know, whether it was, I think it was Newsday or Charles Wong who once said, that the deal in Barclays was ironclad. So let's all just step back and see what, what happens. So, but um, you know, I wouldn't think that anything is happening until someone signs a dotted line and a shovel is in the ground. So you're going to hear a lot over the, the course of time and it's all starting up again. And I suggest you follow the, the check my Twitter and, and follow the, the people from Newsday that I cited um, and I would suggest uh, maybe the guy from Forbes. And uh, they seem to have the, the pieces so far of what's happening with, you know, that seems to have Cuomo support in, you know, doing something with the land in Belmont. Um, there was rumors and a lot of things happening, thought about outside of City Field, but that really has to get past de Blasio. So, you know, it's all politics. And when you have politics, there's nothing set in stone. I think we all should know that from Nassau County's crash and burn. So I'm off on a tangent here, but, uh, you know, that some of the stuff has just come out right before the show. So, you know, let's talk about the season again. Look, um, there was a point that Garth Snow said, and I knew, you know, the writing was on the wall when he said that the roster he knew would is a, you know, playoff level team. And in that statement, he is correct because that team is what dug out and uh, under Doug weight and performed. And yes, they still have flaws and yes, they still have mistakes and yes, they are not far from perfect, but, you know, the fact is that based on the drafted roster, the team makeup, even with the gaps and some of the issues, that the team is a playoff team. The problem is, once again, we are eating 
the bitterness of God Snow's um, slow hand, basically, to fire Capuano. And that's what we're going to, you know, that's a bitter pill. And I think that's, you know, a lot of the anger. Um, you know, what does this mean? Um, you know, uh, I've spoken about this a couple of times that, you know, a lot of people are talking about, and I had helped turned along by, by Newsday. Um, but, you know, about these rumors, and I think Elliot Friedman too. And I, I almost feel like that the team is deliberately doing this uh, about a team president. And the assumption is happening, and I think it's incorrect, that it's over hockey operations and Garth Snow would report to them. And I don't think this is the case at all. I think that the team is looking for interviewing lots of people for different information on how to do things. But I think it's all leading to they want to control their own situation with the venue. And that means somebody in a CEO or, you know, business president, not a, not a team president that's in charge of hockey operations. Um, Ottawa just made uh, some moves in this direction by hiring a CEO and some people to, uh, you know, start to work out their venue items. And I, I really expect that the Islanders will be doing the same, especially if they are, you know, really directing themselves in the, on, um, on Belmont. And that's who I think they're going to hire. So if you were looking for, you know, Dean Lombardi or somebody like that, or for some reason, I don't, I don't understand why people would just sit there and think that a, a Pat Brisson, a sports agent is going to suddenly be the team president. Um, you know, I just don't see it. The there seems to be a lot of assumption and not a lot of common sense. And I think that for whatever reason they let it happen or pushed it along on purpose and masks their own search for like a CEO on the business end. And I think that's where they'll go. So, you know, um, that said, you know, the, the funny thing about Dean Lombardi is Dean Lombardi and Garth Snow are actually very, very close. Uh, not as close as McPhee and he are because McPhee was his former agent. Uh, but Lombardi and, and, and Garth is, are very close. And one of the things that GMs do is they hire GMs that are out of a job to be a consultant or to scout to do the kind of things that McPhee did. Um, because they, because GMs are doing a favor to other GMs by late keeping their foot in the game. If you noticed, if you notice some of the old GMs, that if they're not in the business, maybe they're announcing, maybe they're doing something else. If you're not with your foot in that game of the actual hockey operations, you're quickly forgotten about and no one's going to hire you. So, Garth did McPhee a favor by keeping him in the mix. He was constantly scouting, doing all those things, working within the Islander system, um, and got the job in, in Las Vegas. 
Well, now that Lombardi is out of work, it is feasible that Garth would hire him as a consultant in the same capacity. And everybody would, and you watch and see, everybody's going to act like Ledecky and Malkin asked for this or anything of that sort. And I will tell you, if that ever happened, it would be completely Garth Snow's call because this is what GMs do for other GMs. If you look across the, the NHL, there are many former GMs in consult, and assistant GMs in consultant positions in other organizations. You know, that's a fact. So, you know, that, that the only time you're going to see Lombardi, I think, personally, and I could be wrong. You know, the fact is, you know, it's, we don't, we're not the GMs. We're not the owners. You don't know exactly what's in their head. But, you know, I think it's going to be the only time that you would see Dean Lombardi, because there really is no other GM positions, by the way, um, that he'll take some sort of consulting job for some team. And, and the team gets something from that because you have this mind, this other great mind, you're working with them. So, you know, the island has benefited from McPhee being working for them for the last two years. Uh, it will hurt if he poaches uh, some employees and uh, he certainly will have insight to whatever player he wants to uh, pick from the Islanders. But, you know, that's, you know, you, you can't expect that that was going to happen with an expansion team, but that's the way the, you know, cookie crumbles, but Lombardi can be in that same type of position for the Islanders. There's an opening there. So, I mean, and, you know, we'll see. But uh, mark my words, if that ever happened, you will see the ridiculous rumors, and it will come from writers. Uh, the sad thing is, it won't be from bloggers. It'll be from mainstream writers who should fucking know better. To actually talk to a GM, to, to speak to people in hockey operations, to see how things work instead of, making these assumptions and automatically connecting them or, you know, or just taking somebody else's wrong information. But you wait and see if he takes a consultant job, people will act like it's, you know, the owners are forcing it just like the McPhee was when McPhee and Ledecky had no relationship whatsoever. So even though they, you know, that Ledecky was a part owner that he wasn't in charge. He wasn't the guy. So um, back in the Capitals when McPhee was there. So that's, you know, so you're going to see some of that, but I don't think there will be a team president in the hockey operations aspect. I think it's, it's Garth's job. It is Garth's job to correct it. Um, those around the Islanders feel like that the way they played under Doug Wade was the, what they expected of the team this season, a hundred and, you know, plus hundred point plus type of team. They are trying to get better. And I, if you've read the um, article I wrote about the trade deadline, they, they had a big offer for uh, Matt Duchesne and basically were rebuffed. In fact, they had two. Um, the first one, first of all, they did not want Hamannick. Remember all that talk about how great Hamannick is and everybody's going to ask for Hamannick. This came from mainstream writers once again. I'm not trying to rip on mainstream writers, but you'll notice a theme 
of especially outside of New York, there is a, a this amazing ignorance uh, from mainstream writers that kind of float shit and it just pollutes the water. And, you know, the fact was that, you know, this wasn't true. So, but, um, you know, I just lost my train of thought, but, um, you know, let's, it's just a way of, um, damn it, lost my train of thought. But anyway, what can I tell you? Um, I'll get back to it in a minute. But um, let me see here. What else did I want to talk about? Um, oh, Duchenne. So um, the Islanders, uh, they didn't want Hamannick. That's where we were at. Sorry. Hamannick is older now, and we've seen the injuries happening and, you know, whatever. Uh, the fact is, and, and let's bring this up. I've talked about this for two seasons now. Travis Hamannick is not a top pair defenseman. And whenever he's used in the top pair configuration, he struggles. Said this after last season. I looked at it analytically, and it was done again this season, especially under Capuano. If you noticed, Hamannick started not to be paired with Letty under Doug Waite. It's like fucking duh. But, you know, so it goes. And he had, a, he had a poor season. Now, is he all of a sudden terrible? No. You got to use him right. Um, he wasn't paired properly. You know, a defenseman will look terrible if he's not with the right pairing person also. Um, that matters, too. I think, and I think this is coming clear now, that Hamannick is not so important to the Islanders' configurations Right now, could that change if they move to other players? It could be, but don't don't throw Hamannick out of a window here and think that all of a sudden he's crap. All players have bad seasons, so you know. But um, you know, it, it was a really really poor year for for Travis Hamannick, um, and, and the fact is that the, Colorado didn't want him. Colorado wants an under 25 year old defenseman who's played in the NHL has NHL pedigree and really potential in their mind to be a top tearing, a uh, top pairing defenseman. And that's the problem. They asked for Pollock and the Islanders offered them Pollock and they balked. The problem was, is because Pollock didn't have enough NHL time to give Sackick a comfort zone that this guy is the answer in the top pair. And let's be honest, GMs work with what they have in terms of proof. You know, Pollock didn't have enough time. And yes, and then if you read my piece, I blame that on once it's again. Uh, Capuano, who didn't use him last year, had he been used more, he would have been, you know, yes, he got injured at the beginning of this year, uh, but would have been used more and had more NHL pedigree, then maybe that trade could have happened. Maybe Pollock's a better player, and maybe that trade shouldn't have happened. So let's not, you know, go freak out. It was a hefty price. But the Islanders were prepared to, prepared to pay it 
because Matt Duchesne is uh, uh, somebody who can be an elite player. Yes, he can. Yeah, maybe he's only a 20-25 goal scorer. Um, they would not bring him to be on JT's line, by the way. He, they would have him center, and it would have probably cost Barzell, by the way. Um, the, 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 what I was told, and I said this ad nauseum, it, it would cost a first-round pick for Duchesne, the top prospect, and that across the board, is, I hear it, is Barzell, and then a player. And the problem is Pluck wasn't an NHL player, and he wasn't an NHL player in the template of what um, Colorado was looking for. So Sackett balked. Islanders had that offer, thought, okay, I'm giving you what you want. This is what you asked for. We agree to it. And Sackick stepped back. and Because the problem was is that the Islanders were really sloppy seconds. What they really wanted was like Carlo from the Bruins. Um, Anaheim Ducks has a bunch of uh, young players under 25 on defense. That could be that top pair. Uh, Nashville Predators, and that's another team. So he decided, I'm not happy. I'm not feel like I, you know, I feel like I'm just settling. He didn't want to settle. And that's how that trade fell apart. Nothing that the Islanders would have had would have made that happen because it was all about that defenseman that fit the criteria of what they wanted. Oh, you might say, oh, what, what if they threw in so-and-so or gave him a second-round pick? That's not the way it works. You're adding more cost to them and to their cap. You know, the, the cap means everything. You have to do a lot of back and forth and fandangling to, to be – and realize that the NHL has changed a lot and it's really cap wary and trades don't happen as easily as they used to because of money. And in this case, there, there isn't anything that could have made it happen. Now in the off season, might those teams say to, you know, Sackick who wants the, that hefty cost from other teams for Duchesne, they might say, screw you. And then, Maybe he'll come back to the island and say, hey, do you want to make this happen? Well, the cost, you know, as much as you might covet uh, Duchesne is stiff. You know, if you think that Barzal, now uh, let's be honest, it takes time for a player to develop. So, you know, the whole idea here is if you're giving up Barzal and maybe Pollock, um, you're getting a player ready now. So, and, and, you know, it also didn't help Matt Duchesne's value, by the way, that he played like shit for the rest of the season anyway. But you know, to be honest, the avalanche were a, a disaster. If you, if you, and, and fans, you know, look, the Islanders missed the playoffs by a point. Um, let's be honest. When Capiano was fired, did you really think that they were going to make any kind of run? I mean, sometimes you got to take a little bit of step back and say, you really didn't think that. Let's be honest. That was a fucking surprise. And we, we get so stuck on the negative and the emotion and missing that we want to take it out. But we don't step back and say, you know, did you really at that point think that that was ever going to happen? That the team was going to suddenly wake up? Now, look, Ryan Strom didn't suddenly become 
a top line player with Cappy gone, but he did go back to the, you know, half a point per game player that he was two years ago. And people say, well, he should be doing better. No, let's get him back to that level of where he was and then work from there. And then he was. Uh, Look at Anders Lee for the longest time actually didn't have any scoring and then put on a freaking showcase, a 34 goal monster. Do you know how many times Islander fans on Twitter have complained? Why don't we ever get a great player late in the draft? You know, the Zetterbergs or whatever else. Let's, let's, you know, Anders Lee is no Zetterberg, but, but that type of player. Here's a guy picked in the sixth round that just scored 34 goals. You know, that, there, there's your guy. So um, that, you know, and, and we saw it before from Andrews Lee, by the way. We saw when Kyle Poso went down um, with his eye injury. And, um, you know, he came in and performed really well with JT and, and Bailey. And this year it was the same thing. And Bailey might be get slighted, and, and he doesn't score enough, and he does do a couple giveaways. It's amazing how people ignore JT's giveaways and a very ordinary season, by the way, from an elite player. Uh, not that he doesn't deserve the money, and uh, you know, but let's be honest. This was not a good season from him. Um, be happy with the output that they did and the line performance. you got to look at the performance of the line, and the line performance of – that line was actually top five in the NHL. So they need to derive more scoring from other lines. They got a lot of scoring, quite frankly, from, you know, we, we will argue that Andrew Ladd is overpaid. Um, didn't come, by the way, into uh, the season in shape. Uh, he and Capuano did not see eye to eye. Uh, Capuano did not like the way he came in to, um, it, into the season. Uh, he didn't like uh, Lad's habits. Um, he felt that some of Lad's habits were rubbing off on other players, namely Nick Letty. Uh, and if you notice, Nick Letty's play kind of faltered in the first part of the season. Um, kind of picked up ladder in the season, still came up with 40 points. Wasn't Letty of two years ago, but certainly was better than what it was. Um, you know, the, but, but Lad you know, scored, what, 23 goals in the end after God knows how long of us waiting for something and and did all this from the third line with uh, Chimera, who did fantastic. How many people thought when Chimera was signed, you know, he was a 20-goal scorer, and I hear it from everybody. Yeah, but he did that on Washington. Well, he did it for the Islanders, too. Um, a guy that was in good shape. And really added a dimension to the third line and, and between the two of them um, really did a good job scoring from line three. It's line two that really needs to be, uh, it was, you know, we, we definitely saw um, Josh Hosang come up. Do you think he would have came up and saw ice time under Capuano? Not a chance, but Doug Waite was happy to put him in, give him responsibility. He did well. Heard from other players that he really was uh, quiet, respectful, uh, student of the game. Um, none of the attributes or rumors or or crap that comes from the rumor mill or be, you know the the the, the reputation 
that he has and did pretty well. Got some, you know, good time. He's got to learn more of the game, by the way. I know that people get really excited when he has the puck and that's great. But when you have the puck, that's only part of the game and you must focus. If you really want to watch him, start watching him when he doesn't have the puck. That's where he needs to learn. And I think, you know, uh, we saw some good stuff from him. And if he can bring that into camp and start to shore up on that and do that process on the NHL level, and there might be some hiccups, just like there were some hiccups earlier this season in Bridgeport. It, you know, seems to be the type of personality and, you know, sometimes you need to be kicked a little bit to step up. And I think that that's what happened in Bridgeport. Um, and that'll happen on the NHL level, hopefully. But, you know, there's not a doubt that there's talent there. But you got to, in the NHL, you got to play. Your play matters when you don't have the puck. And somebody like Hosang, um, this is, by the way, why PA was was kind of let go. Um, and, you know, w- with Parento, um, I still get into arguments with people. I don't understand his 28 points on the season, how terrific that really was on three different teams. Um, because his play without the puck is not very good. Yeah, he's good on the power play. But he's also, you know, a defensive liability at times on the ice, uh, inconsistent. And, you know, there was only four points difference between him and uh, Bouvier, who got, you know, key time on the ice this year. Something that was missing from from the Islanders last year when Pollock and other players could have had that time. Here, he had that time. I think that was a, a worthwhile swap. So, you know, I, I, every time I see the PA argument anymore, you know, you should really check yourself before you wreck yourself because there is no argument. You're wrong. The team didn't need him. That wasn't the problem. So, you know, they took that low risk deal on purpose and the way the cookie crumbles, but, um, I don't think in in hindsight, as we look back and you look at the stats and you look at their um, goals per and points per 60 minutes, he and uh, Bluglia are very close. And here you got a kid getting key experience and time that's supposed to be part of the answer in the top, in the top six. Can't ask for anything better than that. So I, I really think you should, you know, those who really still bring up the PA item, I don't think so. So I'll, I'll never agree with that. The Berube issue, I will agree with that. That was a fucking shit show. But, um, you know, is it that he didn't have the talent and the skill? Or, and, and this is what I had heard about his play, you know, from L.A. and coming over, that he gets better the more you play him. Well, that never happened. And by the way, by the way, the season went, you couldn't do it that way. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to another team and actually do well if he's played on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. Yes, the Islanders. And and by the way, that should have mattered to the Islanders engaging on keeping him this season when you have a guy who doesn't play that well 
sporadically. Put that on Garth, too, because the scouts should have said the same thing to him. Um, but there it was. But, you know, the once again, the three goalie circus um, really, you know, is a little bit overblown because the, the case in point that I feel of this season, the crux was the Capuano, it was the Capuano factor. Didn't have the tools, didn't know how to adjust, um, did not know how to play or develop anymore, seemed to erode kids' con- confidence, lack of trust. There wasn't a good relationship. There certainly wasn't a good relationship between him and Ryan Strom. So, you know, and, 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 and most other players liked Cappy, but it was reaching a point of likable doesn't mean he's the guy. And that unfortunately seemed to sucker Garth Snow too. Um, and hopefully they'll live and learn. You know, you got to suck, suck up the reality that Doug Wade is coach. Garth Snow will continue to be GM. He is not going anywhere. And I think there won't be a, a hockey operations president or anybody that he answers to. I think he's going to answer to ownership. That's what I think. Like I said, I think they're going to, the, their real hire is going to be in that venue aspect. And that'll give you the reality of what the Islanders really want to do. It's like that Belmont or whatever venue and, and team building and all that other stuff on the business end. But we'll see. Um, let's talk about, let's see, we talked about Anders Lee. We talked about, uh, Letty snapping out of his funk. Um, Bailey performed as a playmaker, got a lot of first assists, actually was in the, you know, the top of the league in five on five play and first assists. And we saw some idiots online downgrading first assists. Let me tell you. GMs and hockey organizations highly rate first assists. First assists are the puck going on to the guy to score the goal. <laughs> you got to get to the puck to the guy. He did his job. So I, I still don't get, yes, you know, you don't want him to be on the top line and maybe next year or the year after. But, um, you know, if he's performing with Lee and JT, and by the way, I'm the one who told you earlier this season that JT likes playing with Bailey. Um, he's not there by accident. He's there by request. So, um, you know, some things you're going to have to just eat. And part of it is Bailey being used right now on the top six. We'll see if they can make some moves this summer, but I think Bailey's still going to be there and uh, hopefully doing what still doing the playmaking and you will, those who don't like him will look and, and magnify the mistakes and ignore the mistakes of those other players who make as many, if not more mistakes than him. Uh, I see this happening with Calvin DeHaan too, from those so-called experts, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I put on my notes, Grice emerged again, despite dipping from lots of use. We talked about that. 
Halak did a great job coming back from the AHL. Should he have come back earlier? Probably. But that's not the reason the season fucking deep-sixed. You're going to act like it is, but it's not. So, once again, the crux of this issue was Capuano being there too long. So, um, Josh Hosang looked like he belonged. Still needs to work on uh, play without the puck. Um, once again, I said Strom was played far better underweight than under Cappy this year and last year. He was back to his half a point per game average. That half a point per game average is the proper average for somebody who can be in the middle six. Fact. So not, not bad. Um, can he build from that? And that's where, um, and and build on the confidence until he got hurt. So, but he definitely got back to that type of output. And I think that's important. You know, as Ryan Strom, uh, top line answer, I, we, we talked about this a long time that he was always supposed to be like a second line guy, but you know, we'll see. Um, let's talk about the things that didn't go so well. We already talked about um, Hamannick. Uh We talked about Baruby and we talked about, JT's ordinary year, an elite player had an ordinary year. So especially his play five on five was not good. Um, not even in the top three or four of the team. So, you know, it wasn't his type of year. Uh, is he trying to do too much? Sometimes contract and situation, um, people react different ways. You know, how some people like Boychuk and Letty had played Bafo in their contract years or when it was time where they could be re-signed and some players do not. And JT looked like the type of player that did not, but we'll see. Um, let's talk about oh, the future. Well, look, and we'll talk about uh, next steps. Next step is an expansion. I'm not sure. Um, I've been told most big trades will actually happen after expansion. That teams don't want to start mucking around. They want to deal with what they have. Yes, there will be a couple teams that need to shift and make some moves and smaller moves. You might see medium to small trades or a little flurry of trades, maybe like the trade deadline little flurry of trades and then maybe another one or two before the expansion draft. And maybe the Islanders can do a couple things there, but it's not going to be for that home run grand slam kind of guy. Not going to be, you're not going to see Matt Duchesne traded before expansion because whoever Colorado gets back, they have to protect. So they're not going to try to throw a whole new scenario before expansion and then not be able to protect certain players. It's too tricky. So you're going to see big names move after expansion. So it's going to be very interesting for the Islanders because the Islanders have a problem. There's no way else to say it. They are going to, they're, you know, they kept a lock. They're going to expose him as the goalie. They're going to keep Grice. Um, and I have news for you. Halak is not going to be chosen by Las Vegas. Um, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, the Islanders, 
if they run in one configuration, um, they have to protect Boychuk. And you can say, oh, he'll maybe he'll waive his no movement clause all you want in your fan fantasy. But let me tell you, that does not happen. Player gets offended. The player will refuse. And the GM's not going to ask. And Boychuk bought and built and built on the land in Garden City a house. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. He is an islander till, you know, to the end. So he's not waiving his no movement clause and put even the smallest percentage that is going to fuck up that. It's just not going to happen. And, and I, I can't see Andrew Ladd doing that either. And the way it was posed to me is it's insulting. The, the And I don't think it's going to happen. I've been told time and time again, this is fan fantasy. So don't operate with that idea that that's going to happen. So here you go. On the Islanders defense in that configuration, you have to protect Boychuk. You're going to protect Letty. He's your, you know, top defenseman that's there. And then you have one more guy that you can protect, and that's the rub. You have Hamannick, Pollock. You have Pellick, but I don't think that matter, matters much. I don't think. Um, you have, say, Dahan. You know, who you protect. I know the people are down on Hamannick, but he's still a good player and still a, um, your second pair kind of guy. So um, Dahan is an RFA. So I think that you could possibly move him. I keep on talking about it would be great if they could move him for someone like, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name from Detroit, but uh, Tatar, um, who is also an RFA, is a 20-goal scorer. Um, that would be fabulous. But, of course, you're adding a player on offense that you, via that trade that you now have to protect. So I don't know how a trade would even happen. But, you know, the Islanders are going to lose someone. I think that they're going to try to move Hamannick and then protect Pollock. And, unfortunately, that leaves DeHaan. If I was Las Vegas, that's who I would take. And don't tell me Hickey. Because if you look at Hickey, and I will happily tweet me, and I will show you this, the analytics and stats, plays as a good, solid third-pair defenseman. It's not, not a slouch. Solid third-pair. You can use him in different configurations, maybe a little bit. But that's really where he is. DeHaan actually plays very well in a top-four configuration. And where his value is and talking to scouts is if you look at the top shot blockers in the NHL, um, he's up there. He's up there right near the top. The way that you can, but we've seen this before with Andy McDonald and this is what the flyers did not do. You have to check that against possession play. McDonald's not a very good possession player. Well, lo and behold, it was his pairing with Hamannick that made him look a lot better than what he was. So, um, Dahan 
which tends to be a little bit of a goat for some Islander fans, you know, those so-called experts, uh, but is a very, very solid player, very underrated player and very good playing in the shutdown role and has a great amount of block shots and is a much better possession player. And that's where his value is. So he is somebody that would end up being a top four kind of defenseman. So if I was Vegas and it's Dahan and Hickey and Pellick and whoever else, I would be taken to Han. But we'll see. It's going to be really, it's going to be a very fat. We've talked about this every, each summer gets more and more fascinating, but this summer is really fascinating. The Islanders tried to get to Shane. They have to make moves. You know, being a hundred, 101 point team is not a team that's going to really cup contend. I mean, that's the reality. We, we should really accept that too. Team from last year and this year was never going to go for a cup. We don't have that elite goaltender yet. Uh, let's hope that Soror can, can start to come in. His KHL contract does not come up until the, after next season. Um, and, you know, hopefully he can come over and hopefully, you know, adjust. And, of course, you know, KHL is not the NHL. But here's a guy that's freaking lights out for the KHL and has better stats than any other Russian goalie that's come over here at his, at his age. That's somebody who is potentially an elite goaltender. That's what the Islanders need. If you want the Islanders to be a cup contender, you need that two to three years of and getting Sororkin over here. And the problem is you'll say, hey, let's get him in sooner. Well, the problem is that's really tricky. The team, the Islanders, can't have any say or, or buyout or any kind of a role in pushing Sororkin. Sororkin would have to buy himself out of his last year himself, his own money. Um, and that KHL-NHL thing, relations, you, you can't play around with that. So uh, unless he was really gung-ho on saying, hey, I'm done with the KHL, I'm coming to the NHL, um, you know, and it, it would be great if that was the case because the Islanders need him to get some time here and, you know, it wouldn't be an immediate dividend. It takes time to adjust. And, and he's a young kid uh, to, to grow and develop. But the Islanders need an elite goaltender. They don't have it. You know, Grice played really above, well above average last, last season and modestly above average this season, especially when Halak was sent down. Uh, there's people that look at his um, save percentage and the old stats earlier but he wasn't that as solid as you, as you think he was. Um, both goalies were kind of shaky in the, the start of the season. And, yes, there were lots of other issues. But you still need to make those type of saves, and that weren't, they weren't happening either. Um, but above average doesn't cut it um, for really a cup contender. Not, not the way the Islanders are built. You need, you know, they need that young guy – Look at case in point. Look at the Russian goaltender for Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, and, and they'll they'll say Tortorella, Tortorella. Now, the former coach I don't remember his name was fired when he was fired and tor before Torts came back to, uh, went over to Columbus. The issue really was 
that the goaltender was playing terribly. That's something the coach cannot control. And, and by the way, um, you know, that, and it's true. The coach can't control the quality of the goaltenders. So you can only do so much. But um, the um, Borowski, I'm sure I just slaughtered his name, was terrible at the beginning of that season. And then he solidified himself and they, you know, almost made it. And look at the monsters there are this year. Most people feel that that was the team that they should have been last year. And Torts is really getting the, the, um, the hype of being the guy to change it all around. And maybe he's a good fit, but the goaltender's doing what he's supposed to be doing being that elite goaltender, the elite goal minder, minder. And that changes the, the entire complexity of the game for them. They are very much, you know, a, a dangerous team because of their goaltender. And if the goaltender falters, team falters. Goal, you know, a short series of a, and a, you know, I said this in the playoffs last year. In a short series, in a seven-game series, it's really about your best players versus your best players. Um, you know, something, unfortunately, the Islanders had failed at versus Tampa uh, when Hedman really, you know, uh, shut down JT. And uh, Grice wasn't good enough, you know, better than Bishop. But that was the really the case. You know, you can talk about all the other stuff. But that was really the thing. Um, just like that, the Islanders got past Florida. Grice was just a little bit better, a little more longo. And uh, JT freaking willed himself, and they didn't have any answer. And, the, you know, and that was what got them through the, the first round. That's what it's about to get into the playoffs. It's about your best players and your goaltender. And the Islanders, to be a cup contender, to get to the next step, you know, there's a series of steps here. To be a cup contender, they need that, that elite guy. And I think it's going to have to be when Sororkin can come over. So, you know, um, you know, maybe they can make a stir with, you know, solid year next year. And maybe, you know, whether they use Grice and Hollick next year, who knows? Let's be honest. I, I can't tell you what's going to happen with, you know, Hollock and Grice. But if they can both be the tandem and they can ride the hot hand, so if Pollock falters and Grice plays well, then you can ride Grice. And then all of a sudden when Grice starts to dip, you can play Halak and then he'll play hot. The problem is Halak wasn't really working with that need. Um, you know, uh, Garth takes a lot of blame and, and see a lot of things about it, bitterness and all this other stuff. What the fuck do you know that went on with the Islanders? Because none of the writers do. Nobody knows the particular reason. All we know is that Halak spoke to Alan Walsh because Alan Walsh does not speak out unless he speaks with his client. And Alan Walsh opened his mouth and didn't do anything. You know, yes, Halak was frustrated, but Halak's play was terrible. Probably should be frustrated. And it wasn't the practices because after that point, he got all the – key practice time and still stunk. So don't act like, like the whole ox situation was somehow Garth Snow's doing. Yes. The three goalie situation was, but whole sucking. 
wasn't. So, you know, there needs to be a little bit of step back and clarity. And I think that's what we all need to do. We need to kind of bury the body. I think that's what needs to go on. We all have this emotion. We're all in mourning and some people want to lash out. Some people are misreading tweets and acting kind of nutty. Um, like I, I need to tell you, I was Twitter is nutty. Um, but everybody needs to kind of bury the dead. Let's bury the dead and step on. And yes, not all the things are answered. Maybe you have doubts about Doug Wade. I do. But you know what? Reality is you got to deal with what you have. If you're an Islander fan, you got to deal with, here's the reality. Doug Wade is your um, coach. And if you think JT didn't have some role in that, you are stupid. I, I don't understand, and I see this in other places, how will they keep JT if you made Doug Waite? Do you think he wasn't consulted? Uh, in fact, and I said this several times over the last two weeks, JT loves playing for Doug Waite. Fact. Out of his own mouth. Okay? Loves playing with Doug Waite. You think JT didn't want Doug Wade as coach? Let me tell you, he did. Just as much as I think that he's going to resign this summer and all this little pseudo-melodrama sky is falling and it's going to go away. But if you're trying to keep JT, you hire the coach that he wants to play with, especially if that coach has already performed within the opportunity he was given even if it wasn't the biggest sample size in the world it was still a pretty solid amount of games and did pretty well the Islanders were uh, one of the top winning teams in that schism of time you know on the NHL level and that's what you do if you think that keeping JT is the most important thing then you should be happy Doug Wade is, is still is coach let me make that very clear. And if you think Garth Snow should be fired and think that the most important thing is keeping JT, then you need to shut the fuck up. Because let me tell you, JT likes Garth Snow. And if there was a new GM, do you think he would be so excited to come to a wholly new situation and have to adjust? There needs to be some clarity. You need to wake the fuck up. You got to step back and really look at the situation. If you think the most important thing is about keeping JT and resigning him long term, then you need to sit down and shut the fuck up about all the other things. Because if the JT signing is the most important thing, they did exactly what they needed to do to make that happen. That's the thing that you may not want to hear because you're angry. And God knows. Garth Snow fucked up this season. Not a doubt. But there he is. And there's Doug Waite. Doesn't have all the player development experience. Power play certainly sucked under him. Um, you can solve some of that with the assistants that you hire. I recommended one that L.A. just got rid of. Um, Davis Payne. Davis Payne was in charge of the forwards and the, and the power play. Um in LA 
Uh, it's hard to gauge this year. They, the whole team was kind of a mess. Uh, but in the last two years before that, they were top 10 in the power play. I think he's a key kind of guy. He's also familiar with Doug Waite. Doug Waite, uh, he was coached. Uh, he coached Doug Waite uh, when Doug Waite was in St. Louis right be, at the very end, right before he retired. Um, because uh, Davis Payne used to be the coach of uh, St. Louis Blues for, I think, what, um, two years? I don't remember offhand. But um, Davis Payne is, uh, I think, would be on the top of my list. Um, maybe they need a better player development coach. Um, the guy that I think of, and right now he's um, working for St. Louis, is uh, former Islander Steve Thomas. Steve Thomas uh, was very instrumental in uh, developing uh, Tampa Bay players. Uh, left Tampa Bay, or you know they didn't renew his contract, and he went over to St. Louis, and he's been there. I don't know if St. Louis is you know how how you can pull um, and uh, another assistant. Um, we'll see when this the season ends and what the, how his contract is, but somebody like that. As another guy, um, you know, don't think just, you know, guys that Doug Waite used to hang with. I don't understand why those are being suggestions. Think of guys that have the acumen to fill in the needs. You know, Doug Waite is a student of the game. And he's going to want to fill in the gaps and flaws of his team. He has two roles. You got to remember. He is not just head coach. He still is an assistant GM. And now he can kind of work on that and working on those gaps and hire those people to fill those gaps. That's not about finding a guy that you used to play with. That's about finding the best guy to fill that need. And some of them may be in the AHL, but maybe some of them are in the NHL and have a track record of success than just picking out a bunch of names out of a hat um, to fill that. Like somebody who was in LA who unfortunately shuffled out because whoever is the new GM and new coach are going to want new assistants. So that's why Davis Payne is available. Uh, I think that's key for the Islanders. To me, the best thing the Islanders could do is Garcineau hire Lombardi as a consultant because two heads are better than one. Um, though I'll be annoyed and have to correct tons of people, including probably some writers, that it would be Garth Snow's call, not the ownership's call, for him to be a consultant firm. Um, and bringing in the type of um, assistance to fulfill those gaps, the gaps to Doug Waite. Player development doesn't have that experience under his belt. Find somebody. You know, an assistant coach to, to, to supplant that need. Uh, somebody to handle the power play. Those are the things that I think that the summer will also reap. And, you know, it's, it's going to be really key. And it's going to be a very interesting summer because of the hiring of assistants. How does that? And, and now because of all the freaking venue stuff that we're going back into the, how many times have we been on this roller coaster? And yet sometimes we never, never learn. We, we put all our eggs in the basket thinking that's going to happen. And it goes completely sideways to something else altogether. 
So, you know, be, be wary of the ride. And, you know, between trades and making the team better, it's going to be really kind of interesting to see what happens. Um, meanwhile, the Islanders have 1% chance of winning the uh, draft lottery, um, which would probably mean they trade uh, their spot. But uh, that would be probably kind of interesting. 1% is better than a, sc- a scratch-off lottery ticket, I guess. But, uh, you know, not the most likely thing on the, on the planet. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm uh, hearing from a, uh, a credentialed writer that the Islanders seem totally disinterested in the Coliseum. No shit. <laughs> like, this is a surprise. Anyway, because I've been telling and and talking to different people uh, and warning them of, of the... Uh, it seems to really be this thing that people don't understand, that the Islanders' owners bought in to a city team, a valuation, uh, a, a vision that they had, that that vision does not include Nassau Coliseum doesn't include some shithole in Connecticut saying that, uh, you know, we can go there. It has none of those things. It's all about being, whether it's on the border, but having that being there in a city capacity. That's what they bought into. And, and by the way, if they're not getting along with Barclays and the relationship's that bad, why in hell? It already add in that they don't want to do this because of the money. Why would they want to go to NASA Coliseum and deal with Barclays again? It's the same people. These things, these realities seem to be missing constantly in so many, whether it's articles, opinions, fan sentiment, it's really hard. It, it, maybe it's hard because I know, you know, and by the way, I would love them in Nassau County. I would love them in Suffolk County. I'm out of here in Suffolk. So let me tell you, I did not go to Barclays once this season, and that was deliberate. So, you know, I could have been credentialed. I could have been there. I don't have the time. I don't, I'm not traveling on the Long Island, the horrendous Long Island Railroad. I just don't have the time. It's just the way it is. So I would love for them to be in Nassau County. It's not, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things. And I guess the theme of this is, look, you know, uh, go back to the title, Season of a Down. I wanted to call it System of a Down, but it really didn't quite fit. It's Season of a Down. It, it guards snow, crash and burn. We crash and burn. And it's about getting back up. Course correction. All right. Great getting those players who were not performing back um, performing. And we saw that Anders Lee performed Uh, Brock Nelson. um, And I think Brock gets too much uh, flack. I think you have to look at him as a third liner. You know, when I spoke, you know, his, he, he was always considered what could be a middle six. And to me, he looks like a really solid third-line guy. And by the way, 20 goals. 
not as prolific as last year. And yes, he seems to be a little bit on the inconsistent side. To me, I think he is the most tradable type of guy for the Islanders' plans. To me, I would move him this summer. But um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, um, Brock didn't do too badly. Um, Anders Lee did fantastically. Um, Bailey did his best year. And by the way, all those so-called experts and uh, analytics uh, darlings said that after a certain amount of time, you don't get better. But they didn't realize the type of player and a playmaker. Um, the better the line mates are, the better the playmaker is. That's why Barzell, if, I really hope that the Islanders are able to hold on to Barzell this summer because he is an elite playmaker. Bailey's not an elite playmaker. He's a very good playmaker. Um, Barzal is an elite playmaker. And I think that you'll see that kind of difference. Um, but then again, if you want the team to go to the next step, you need somebody developed, you know, do we have the time? And, and that's what really kind of sucks. I really wish that we went into the season without Capuano. If we went in, let's, let's say if we could control time, we could have gone back, got Capuano out of the way, which is really tough to do after getting into the second round of the, uh, despite the things that we called out at the time. If you listen to our podcast, I had a, um, and I think uh, John Jordan did too. We had many issues with uh, Capuano in that Tampa series. Um, that said, the fact in the NHL, the team does well. They don't fire the coach. Fact of life. So despite the issues that we see, despite the, those items, it's amazing when we're not accountable for people's contracts and livelihoods and people are not beholden to us and we're beholden to an organization, how freely we can see things so clearly. But it's very different when you are accountable and part of that organization. And I'm not saying that in a patronizing tone. I'm saying that because I've been told that. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, it, 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 and I, and it's been told to me a couple of years ago and it's only been more and more true. I, I really do think that that's the case. We, we, from, from our point, the peanut gallery, sometimes we can see things sooner than later, but it's also, we don't have the same situations and parameters and, and items that they do. And we don't always understand all the different items and realities there. So, but had Capuano not been the coach this year, Barzal would have had, would he have been there the whole season? I don't know. But he certainly would have played more than two games. But had he worked this season, um, you would have had maybe him ready for the next step. Um, and that's really unfortunate. Now he's somebody who, who could be a linchpin to a trade this summer, depending on the situation and the type of player. I think it'll be, you know, somebody that if they think he's an elite playmaker that is off for line two, that he'll only be dealt for who they think can be an elite, maybe not a center, but somebody who's an elite guy within the top six. 
that is on, you know, developed like Duchesne. So it's going to be a really interesting summer, but I think it's going to be a tough pill to swallow when the trade is made because things cost a lot. It's not cheap. You know, there, there are no giveaways these days. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that really works out. And you really don't want the Islanders trying to fill fulfilled positions in free agency. I think uh, hopefully you've learned that free agency is not the boon that you thought it was. You overpay for older players, Andrew Ladd. Um, other players, take a look at all those free agents from last summer. Look at where they signed and how much they signed for. And then look at their stats this year and tell me if they were worth it. We know Andrew Ladd wasn't. Guess what? The Islanders have a lot of company because most of those signings did not pan out, not for the price you pay. And that's the problem with the free agency, especially in the, in, with, you know, the cap, the way it is. It, it's going to be, it's really tricky. And you really don't want the Islanders having to fill that role unless it's for, you know, depth guys or the Chimeras, the, the, maybe the, the guys that they think of have higher value than you realize. Um, but not the top needs. You're not going to find your top wing there. Um, and maybe that's the, the thing that we all learned um, from last summer. But, you know, it, it's going to be kind of interesting. So, well, let me see what else has, have I got into all the other things. I think we talked about the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the stepping back and the clarity that needs to happen that, you know, we need to bury the body and move on and move on with the situation as it is. So if, if you're going to sit there and demand Garth Snow all next season to be fired, you're not going to really enjoy yourself. You're going to have to accept that decisions are made, especially us coming from the Millberry years, that, that we don't always agree with. But if the team can be 100 point or more next year, if they make no roster changes, by the way, and, and make the playoffs, then I think that's good enough. Is it good enough for the next step? No. But if they're not able to make, and, and I would be disappointed too. But it would certainly be better than what this season was. So this, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, there was a reason that I didn't do podcasts for most of the season. And the blogs really came at the end of the season where it could be kind of, um, you know, hopefully that it kind of helped give some clarity. Um, I, I was given a lot of insight. Um, so... And I tried to convey it, the relationship between, you know, Cappy basically, um, when the shit went down, started pointing fingers, talked too much, too much, too much stuff back and forth, too much um, bad vibes. And I think he was in, he was, and it, not all of his fault in making, by the way, because once again, here's a guy who didn't have all the tools and was in over his head. 
to where the Islanders needed to be. So sometimes that happens when you reach the point of frustration and you're smacking against the wall. I don't think the situation was too great for him either. You know, I don't think he's a bad coach. And I think he could be a good coach. I don't know if on the NHL level, I think he needs to go be an assistant coach somewhere for a bit um, and get some distance from that. So he can have that kind of clarity. Um, You know, I did warn you that there was no way on earth that Vegas was going to hire him. That's why Gallant will be uh, announced a coach tomorrow. It's just, it wasn't going to happen. Not for what their needs are. Um, And they, you know, they have a good GM and a good coach over in LA. It's going to be very interesting to watch um, how uh, LA, Las Vegas, there's going to, LA, I do not like what the, the moves they made. Um, Rob Blake as GM is going to be a, a shit show. Um, but McPhee over in Las Vegas and Gallant, that's Gallant has player development skill. Um, he has some short shortcomings, by the way. Um, he is kind of, a, um, a little bit anti-analytics lunkhead and he's going to have a rude awakening because McPhee loved the analytics of the Islanders and will be employing them in Las Vegas. He will be doing, you know, he's already hired people um, from, you know, you might've seen, I forgot what site, you know, they're um, shoot. Not cat friendly. What was the other one? Anyway, you know what I mean? Basically, and, and this is something he didn't really use and, and take advantage of over in uh, Washington. He learned a lot about that. And you actually, if you do a search of McPhee and Islanders and analytics, you will see a whole bunch of articles and interviews of him just gushing about how he couldn't believe, like, you know, after the game, you know, the co- you know, coach was given analytic information right away and how it was a big tool in what they do. And, you know, and how that uh, the Islanders operate in that capacity. And by the way, that's something that the Islanders do pretty well because they use analytics in their team makeup. And if you look at their roster and say, okay, the roster is 100, it's a 101 point team. They've done their job to that point. I think it's really up to the GM to get them up to the next point. Uh, Especially, you know, like I said, when you have a coach that's not developing the young players to where they need to be, is that the fault of the analytics and the development system and the drafts, or is that a problem with the coach? The answer is it's a problem with the coach because the result of the roster when the Capuano was gone tells you that. So, you know, there are, there are aspects that of the Islanders that do work, um, hopefully, like I said, you know, GMs do make mistakes, um, good and bad. So I think fans are down on Garth, but talking to other people in other uh, hockey organizations and other uh, GM and offices, Garth is highly regarded by those uh, organizations. And I don't know if that really helps, but if he can correct the mistakes and learn from it, re-sign JT, 
make the trade to fill at least a need in the top six and, uh, you know, get something uh, so that we don't lose a key defenseman and hopefully keep Pollock so we can utilize him and his shot and, and get that power play working. And next year, if we can get over 102 points and get that power play working, we're in the right direction. So, you know, you might not be happy with the way things have panned out and you might not be ready to kind of bury the body yet, but hopefully this, the, this episode will kind of at least present that that process needs to happen. Maybe it won't happen now. Maybe it'll happen, you know, down the line, maybe when the playoffs are over, maybe, you know, everybody needs different times and, you know, um, so I don't want to be unfair about it. Everybody, you know, this this season was a real roller coaster, and, and unfortunately for Islander fans, every freaking season, for some reason or another, drama, roller coaster, or play roller coaster, or venue roller coaster, so many. Um, you know, uh, hopefully we can all step back and kind of say, all right, well, let's see what the future holds. Is it what we wanted pretty much presented here? It's not what I wanted either. However, I don't think that it's necessarily as horrendous as some are acting like. I just think that hopefully people have learned from mistakes, rectify and make the kind of deals and and fulfill needs. I know that it takes two teams to tango in a trade. So I know that it's not as easy, but, uh, you know, let's hope that uh, those things can happen and uh, we can step forward. So, well, this episode ended up being a lot longer than I anticipated. I think this was like almost an hour and a half. So hopefully I didn't babble too long and hopefully we kind of worked it out. Um, I'm a little bit out of practice because uh, I haven't done a freaking podcast since uh, November. So, um, you know, that will uh, change a little bit. I think uh, it's time to start doing them a little bit more now. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Um, I know that uh, there have been a, a lot of fans that really want to sound off and call in. So we'll do one of those shows and give you an opportunity. Um, you know, that doesn't always work for the way, to my comfort zone because I like to just, you know, go along. Of course, my comfort zone is also having a co-pilot, but unfortunately, John is working on other things. And, uh, you know, and right now, you know, I'm uh, holding the banner for now and uh, we'll see how it goes, but uh, hopefully we can, uh, it'll be, I think, um, you know, I don't know if it'll be an interesting playoffs, but for, especially for Islanders fans that wanted to be there, but it will be a very interesting off season. We'll be here and I will make sure to do the podcasts or at least if not the podcast, the blogs, and please follow along with my Twitter, BD Gallo. And, uh, you know, that I'm always on. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a micro blog, and sometimes I'm very abrupt. And I guess uh, I have a tendency to be misread. If you, if you know me, I am very, very easygoing. Uh, but if you go by my tweet, tweets, you would probably think I'm the biggest douchebag on earth. Um, unfortunately, I'm very abrupt. I am uh, very ADHD, and I also work. Um, 
a completely different type of career and as an art director and my time to be on Twitter is very, very quick and short and short bursts. So if my tone and, and, and style tends to seem more trolly, it's because I've just gotten out of a conversation that I'm trying to employ some of the items that I've been hearing. So it's not forgotten. Um, sometimes I write the notes and put it away and wait with it. But in this case, uh, you know, I, I have those conversations and get that clean, that information, whether it's uh, with other writers or with other people or, you know, scouts or anything else. And, you know, want to kind of throw that out there. And unfortunately, you know, and I put it, you know, sometimes the truth hurts, you know, warning you that Garth is probably not going to go anywhere. It's not what you want to hear. That might be the, the correct information and what you need to hear. So unfortunately, I'm not going to cater to playing with being the guy to keep everything, you know, the anger rolling. That's not me. I'm sorry. You know, if you want that, it ain't going to happen. So, you know, there's been times that I get pissed off and they call it truth bombing. Um, But the fact is that, and I I think I kind of did that with the Island uh, Isles beat blogs, uh, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months ago, there's a succession of blogs that really smashed Garth Snow and, uh, that they didn't recognize all the issues and uh, didn't miss all the warning signs. That's all out there. It's all on record. But now we got to move on to the next thing because, you know, we don't make those decisions. So now we got to live with their decisions and hope for the best. You know, if you think that everything is going to go wrong, hope that you're wrong then, you know, that, what can I tell you? So, but um, you know, let, don't let a season of the down be all of a sudden create your off season of the down. You know what I mean? Uh, I know that we're all kind of like disappointed in, in what has happened and transpired and mistakes and things that probably we saw long before, but what can I tell you? It is what it is. And it happened like a car accident. All right, let's get the, you know, okay, we bought the kind of same, the same car. All right, yeah, okay, I got you. You wanted a better car, I got you. You know, maybe a Volvo so we can take a little bit more of a hit, you know, or maybe even the Tesla, the Lombardi Tesla. I get, I get you, but it didn't happen. We still got to get back on the road. And, and that's really what I wanted to do with this show. And went past 90 minutes babbling about it. So hopefully you are still listening. And if you have, I thank you. And I hope that uh, the podcast was good. It's been a while. I've been a little bit rusty. Hopefully it made sense. And uh, I think it's time to uh, end the show. And hopefully in a week or two, we will do a sound off show. And, uh, you know, follow along and we'll take it from there. So, and, and like I said, as I warned, take those venue items with a lot of salt and a lot of wariness until a shovel is in the ground because there's going to be a lot of political players, a lot of things leaking to the press, 
and unfortunately, and you're going to get those people that just want to manipulate the fan base, whether they're trying to get more followers or they're just that type of person that just wants to make a big spiel. Um, look, it, there's going to be a lot of stuff said. I would, as I put on Twitter, follow along the Newsday writers, Brodsky, David Reichel, Randy Marshall, and Jim Baumbach. Um, find the Forbes guy that did the uh, article on uh, on Belmont, and uh, you know, and follow along because I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, battling. And remember what I said about the Islanders and owners not wanting to go back to Nassau because that matters. And the money that they spent, that matters. And those are very well-sourced items that have been repeated by those who actually are writing the articles in Newsday now um, and Forbes. So it, it does matter. So when, you know, somebody from some organization on Long Island say, we're going to try to get the Islanders back here, or Mangano says that and talks out of his ass, chances are he's going to be in a jail cell by after the trial next year. Um, take it with a lot of salt. I wouldn't take anything to the bank until, like I said, if Belmont's going to happen, wait until that shovel's in the ground to have any comfort. Because we have seen this happen with the Lighthouse Project. We've seen it happen with Nassau County. We've seen it happen with the referendum. We've seen it happen with the town of Hempstead. We've seen it happen with Barclays and the ironclad contract, you know, lease. These things don't mean a thing in the scheme of things. So, um, so let's just wait it out, keep equilibrium, and uh, be a little skeptical. And on that note, till next time, thanks for listening. You're listening to Isles Beat, and this is BD. Bye-bye. <laughs>